Choose your player. Hello, my name is Chelsea Holland, and I have been obsessed with Broadway musicals since I was 12 years old. The one word that sums up my obsession is extra. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Your Nerdy Obsession, the podcast where we uncover and dive deep into people's nerdy obsession. And folks, I got a treat for you. I have a dear, dear friend. Oh, first, I'm Michael Onakabak, as always, like you all know. Um, It is my dearest, dearest friend. She is like an older sister to me, and she treats me as such, and I go to her with the wisdom that she provides. Uh, my dear friend, Chelsea Holland. Hello, Chelsea. Hi. Hello. That was the kindest <laughs> thing anyone's ever said, so <laughs> Well, Chelsea. Chelsea is also, what we are going to be talking about is right up her alley. Um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about where you come from? Why are we, what about your work life <laughs> connects you to the <laughs> This particular topic, which everyone can read, uh, it is in the title. It's Broadway musicals, but yeah, tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, well, I think by trade, I worked really hard to figure out how to make my interest my job, uh, and a career in Broadway musicals, specifically Broadway, is really hard to obtain. Honey's a realist, uh, and I. Um, I studied theater education, so my entry point into this world professionally has been as uh, primarily a high school educator for speech theater, musical theater. Gosh, that's that's somewhere in the 15-year ballpark now, uh, so I've taught and directed at several high schools. Um, I've worked with community theater organizations all over the state of Iowa. I adjudicate for the Iowa High School Musical Theater Program, which is a subset of the National High School Musical Theater Jimmy Awards, um, which is a Broadway affiliation and uh, is also the thing that I do when I have free time. So like once in a blue moon, I'll go perform myself. Uh, I've brainwashed my my kids. So my daughter is currently at a musical theater rehearsal right now. I don't know. It's, it's a thing I've done since I was like seven. So we've got we've got three decades of musical theaterness. And the thing that I, I want to say about you is that not only is the passion of like the excitement of the musical within you, like, oh, this musical's fun or I want to go see this music and, and you enjoy that excitement. You also enjoy and can communicate, I think, the technical aspects that entail for a Broadway musical because you've auditioned for it and everything. But when you are looking at a show, you can you can see the whole aspect of like everything that's gone into it, right? The stage, everything like that, because you as a teacher um, and also as a performer, because I, I, when I performed with you is that we did, we, you had to do everything right. Mm -hmm. And then as, even as a teacher, you've had to 
create it. You basically were the producer, the executive producer of a Broadway show every single year, if not multiple ones, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think it's so true. It's been an occupational hazard a little bit because I have learned um, probably in the past decade specifically that I probably need to see a show twice to enjoy it because the first time I see something, I'm often spinning so much on the how did they do this was that a director choice or an actor choice was that a playwright dictation like where did that creative moment come from or oh I saw that trap and that took me out of this thing you know um so it's it's become uncommon to be able to be fully captured by a show on the first setting It's so joyous when it happens. And so I actually, some of the more recent stuff, I've tried to intentionally stay away from learning about so that when I get to see it, because it's, it's a win, not an if, right? When I see it, I hope that I can enjoy it with, (laughs) with like the new eyes and not, not be so stuck in like, oh, but on the recording, it was this thing. I had this expectation and. It's all about expectation. It is it yes, truly. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you said. Yeah, not having that expectation of it. Great. I love that. Well, as everyone's already listened, we don't need to do the summary. This is Broadway musicals. That's what we're going to talk about. We heard it. We know this. I want to jump right into it. What was the first musical or first like memory that you have yeah. that sucked you in? It's a two part like nuanced thing, right? So my my very first introduction to any sort of musical theater was my very first show. I was seven, uh, like second grade, I think, super shy. And my mom drove me to auditions at church where our children's pastor was a former music teacher. So it was just very important to him to have these these big kind of spectacles um, and big shows at Christmas, like full plays, not like the nativity story. Like he'd find a really cool script and we'd, we'd do a musical at Christmas. And so she drove me to this audition that I did not want to go to because she thought it was going to be really good for my confidence um, and just learning how to like talk to other humans because I would hide behind her if we ran into people at the store, you know, um, that kind of thing. So I went in tears, I'm told, and really <laughs> shy. Sh- sorry, shy version of Chelsea is not a Chelsea I know. So this oh, that's very no. interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we were close, right? So yes, like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Got unlocked, but you have to work. But even when me. even when I first met you, you were not the shy. But I guess um, it was different. It was different because you were in your in your element, maybe too. Yes. That could uh, that could give yeah. it to you a little. Yeah, bit. I think that's a because I think a lot of. You know, I think a lot of my coworkers, should they hear this, and a lot of my in-laws and such would would see the introvert um, pretty, pretty high. Um, but yeah, being in your element, that's that's a piece of it, right? Like theater is the thing that unlocks personality traits and experiences and comfort. Um, and so that's what I discovered when I was seven. So he he did this show called Dr. Newhart's Christmas. It is a doctor's office on December 26th, and it's all these kids who got everything they ever wanted for Christmas, but they still feel really sad. So what's wrong? So they all go to the doctor and, you know, it's church. So like the problem is they need a new heart. You need Jesus in your heart. And once you find Jesus, everything's fixed, right? And so I played the part of Wendy and all I said in the show was, oh, no. 
until I got my new heart. And at the end I said, Oh yeah. Right. And then I had a solo. Um, and it was like the coolest thing. I felt really important. I loved going to practice. I knew everybody's lines by like the second week I could recite the entire show. And, and then all these, you know, my family, like all bought tickets and they came to see me and it was a big deal. And like, I made my costume with my mom and this was a cool thing. So for me, age seven to like 12, theater was this thing I did at church. We had a show every summer for vacation Bible school and every Christmas. And that's what I did. Then when I was in seventh grade, Miss Saigon came to the Civic Center the first national tour, that's important. And my parents got, I don't know, discounted tickets because my dad's work was one of the corporate sponsors or something. And so we went to the show and we were really excited because it's Asian people. My mom's family's Asian. So like, that's cool. And there'd been all these like documentaries and news reports about this, you know, groundbreaking musical featuring Asian actors. So like, yeah, we got to go see it. Let's check it out. And we go, and I think my my parents were a little bit mortified that they brought me because um, if you're unfamiliar with the show, it is set in the Vietnam War era, and it is American soldiers. The show opens uh, with American soldiers at a Vietnamese strip club. Uh, <laughs> it's off. like I was I was thinking I'm like I know there's a strip club scene in that one. Yeah, I just well, didn't know where it was. Selling, <laughs> selling prostitutes, yeah. like selling yeah. these women who you know lost their brothers or fathers or husbands in the war, so they're making money the only way that they feel that they can. And through this ugliness, this love story is kind of birthed between um, an American soldier and a Vietnamese woman. Um, Spoiler alert, they have a child that's fairly early in the first act. And so much of the show is actually trying to to reunite these two, get separated during the war. It's based off of the opera Madame Butterfly. Um, It is tragic and sad. And, you know, so like, nudity and sex scenes and <laughs> prostitution and really foul language aside. What a first musical to see. What a was first. Just like such spectacle. There was yeah. a, a helicopter on the stage and we were sitting close enough. You could feel the wind from the blades of the helicopter. And then this ending happens. And, you know, as a seventh grader, I, I don't know the opera. I don't know the story it's referencing. So I didn't expect this like, it's not a happy ending and I remember um there's a a gunshot I I don't want to (laughs) spoil that moment right but there's a gunshot and I remember like (gasps) gasping and turning to look at my dad because you know you're my grown-up comfort me and he's stoic and his face is wet and there, I mean, there's just tears running down his eyes. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. The, the, whoa, right? Because church doesn't make you feel sad. Like the church musicals are fun, but they always had a happy ending. But I never experienced something that made you feel something that deeply. And so the show's done. We leave. I remember right away assuring my parents I was pretending everybody was wearing bathing suits and it was fine. Um, <laughs> but. I also distinctly remember going, whoa, I didn't know that theater could make you feel like that. And I want to do that. And I think that's when I started 
you know, checking out every CD I could from the library and illegally recording them on cassette tape, you know, with my CD players, just so I could have copies of these and memorizing soundtracks. And that would be the thing that I was just listening to constantly from then on. Like, what is this world? I have to know what, this world. Um, I love that. So like the story drew you in like that, that connection or like that, that, uh, that the reaction that you had to that story when, or what about it adding in that musical aspect, right? So there's stories, there's straight plays and everything of that nature. But what you're talking about with Miss Saigon and then also what you did in church, each one's had songs involved in it. <clears throat> did it, did your passion always like follow through with always it had to go songs or was it just following the story? I guess when, how does the music get added into this as that drawing in factor? That's a really good question that I haven't thought about before. Uh, but I also, so I, I come through my dad's side, I come from a musical family. My dad plays piano. He used to sing beautiful voice. Um, my grandma is a piano teacher. My um, uncle is the master chief of the U.S. Naval Jazz Band for a long time. Uh, and so I think the music was probably always the non-negotiable, like whether that was conscious or not, music has just always been in my... No, I like movie. that. I, I think I think the biggest complaint when you try to like invite people into musicals, they're just like, why are they singing? I can't connect with that. And it sounds like for you, like that's all you grew up with. Yeah, right? I, like yeah. I started music first. Like I think I, I have very strong visceral memories with a song or, or a musical artist or some sort of experience like that, that, so that was never questioned. I think I was lucky to be in a family where that, that its significance was never questioned. I think it was probably high school or college before I had the language to articulate that in a musical versus a, a play, a straight play, um, in a musical, a well done show earns the music, right? So the the emotional experience has to earn the musical expression. The emotion is so strong that it doesn't do justice to just talk about it in the way that you and I are talking now. Like, nope, the the emotion is so high, the the stakes are so high that I have to do something different. And that different thing might be singing, it might be dancing, it might be a marching band walking through to show my like euphoria at a situation because it's something that elevates it. And anytime we can elevate it, then we impact our audience in a deeper way. And that's that's probably the it factor with Miss Saigon with why that was so impactful for me was because it wasn't theater to be cute. It wasn't theater to be fun. It wasn't theater, you know, because it's a tradition that we do this time of year. It was theater to make you feel something. And it was theater created in such a way that, yeah, my dad was supposed to be sitting there crying. Like if you weren't, you were heartless. You're the tin man. And I think that was the big kicker. And so in when I work performing or directing, that's the thing that I work towards. Like, how do I earn this musical moment through 
my staging choices or my coaching choices or my performing choices. Yeah. Well, the thing, so the thing that I always, that definition of musicals, right? Like you, the only way you can express this is through this song, right? Like that's the only way you can do it. I always think of it. Um, Like, I mean, that's true for any scenario. Like if you're acting or if you're doing any type of performance, you need, you view it as this is the only way that I can express this feeling in this dance, in this song, in this voice. Right. I've always thought about it when you are a, a child or for when I was a child and I got frustrated and I couldn't say words. Right. And I would either just yell or I would just run around or I would just because I didn't know how to express all of this pent up frustration and anything that's going on inside me. And that feeling is exactly what I think anytime I like have like a musical or I'm in one or like a play or anything is I'm just like that pressure build up. Right. That's that holding on to moment. I think musicals are so good at keeping audiences in that pressure moment. Right. Oh, yes. A well done one is. Yes. A well done one. And, yes. and that's, you know, if if there are people listening that are not musical fans, I would just say I don't think you've seen the right one yet, because my hunch is for many people, they probably haven't seen a professional caliber show. It may mean they've seen and that's not to say, you know, I, I thrive in the high school and community theater spaces. I, I have seen some stuff at that level that I think is better than professional stuff we've seen. Um, that's a whole separate conversation. Maybe hold that if you want to ask a question yeah. about it. But um, <laughs> I will. I was also going to say you've also seen the other side of that too in, in that but, same right, space. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people, if their experience is like, well, I've only gone to so-and-so's school show, it may be that you experienced a show that didn't earn its moment or maybe that performer, even, even in a professional one, didn't earn that moment. And so then it feels cheesy, right? It feels wrong oh we're singing in the rain now okay like why we got to sing about it well because if your euphoria is high enough that's that's all you can do and that's a great lovely moment um some of the shows people sing all the way through right like if you've seen Les Miserables and maybe that's not your cup of tea cool I get that that we're kind of like living in that borderline opera category but also that's a show generally shows that are sung all the way through like that are so high stakes right from the start that there's nowhere else to go except to explore the musical motif of staying that elevated the whole time Mm. What is, this is a great point to bring up too, and maybe you can help educate. What is kind of the difference then between a musical, an opera, or an operetta, or something of that nature? Because uh, Les Mis is a good example, because isn't that considered an opera, right? Or is it called an opera? Or I, Rent is called a rock opera. That's the one I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. So what is kind of the difference or the... Okay, I'm going to give the like super layman's terms definition. So if there's any purists listening, don't come at me. <laughs> this is the like... <laughs> no, the no purists st- come at her. It's fine. <laughs> we're, all, we're all here because we love what we love, not because <laughs> right. we're experts. So at, its, <laughs> at its simplest... Um. At its simplest, a play is we are watching someone else's story. A play with music might be um, a story where there's a moment where they go to a bar and there's a cocktail singer that's singing a lounge song. The music in that moment doesn't do anything for the plot. It's a thing that happens. Um, 
something you've probably seen in a lot of movies and television shows as well, that there's there's a band playing in the background or they're at a house party and there's music. doesn't make it a musical. It's a play with music. Before you go on to the next one, just so I can flex my knowledge, is that called diegetic music? They're diegetic sound? Oh, <laughs> never mind. Flex. I don't know. I, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Rachel and Sefi will correct me in the follow-up episode. So, okay, go on. Um, a musical <laughs> would be... Something where the music in the show is typically forwarding the plot in some way. Um, Lots of arguments that that is not the case for musicals that are like pre-Golden Age era. So that's also, there's a whole like historical nuance to that. But generally speaking, a musical is one where a lot of the, the plot points are happening within song or our understanding of the character's um, inner monologue, inner narrative is happening. Could you, song. could you, could you say maybe that it's furthering the person performing it? It could be character development or it's plot yeah. development. And then an opera, is, but a musical generally is still going to have dialogue in between. Um, then we've got this like gray space of like, is it a musical? Is it an opera? And Rent being the rock opera as an example is where um, generally everything is sung. Now this is the Broadway show, not the movie for people. Just to clarify, the movie is a musical because there's dialogue and singing that for the yeah, plot. The, um, the, the actual stage version is a rock yeah, opera. Yeah. yeah, but primarily everything is sung. The thing with Broadway musicals and that I think is so interesting, we can point out in Broadway and in musicals, kind of the different eras, like you said, the golden age. Uh, so what what are kind of the eras that attracted you? Um, and is there kind of a, a streamline through these eras as well that you've noticed? To let everyone know, she's currently looking at a bookshelf full of <laughs> binders and musical books. <laughs> I think I foolishly didn't keep a couple that I'm looking for in the moment because the the spine, I can picture them the the spine like breaks down the names oh, of these eras. That's like, cool. That oh, I get you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright yeah. if you don't know the names, but like what? So like you say golden era and you think of like the older school musicals, right? Like Camelot or like Carousel or Annie get or like Oklahoma. Oh, I, I say golden age. That's that's a lot of like Rodgers and Hammerstein, a lot of the shows that you mentioned. Um, but then like I'd arguably I'm sure there's probably a different name. Um Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> let me start over. You're good, <laughs> right? You ever talk and like, oh, but I should thoughts tell you come before, first. yeah, oh, all right? the time. <laughs> okay, so contextually, Broadway, um, once upon a time and in a different kind of peak than it has experienced more recently, um, was kind of the the driving cultural force of performing arts in the country. So you turn on the radio and you're probably listening to singers covering songs that were written for Broadway shows, right? Which everything's kind of backwards now. I think a lot of Broadway shows are generated off of movies and and books and and uh, artists that we already know. Um, but it, it works the opposite way, which like, how cool. I can flip on you know, whatever FM and it's, 
it's all Broadway stuff, right? Maybe a really good, like, current example of that would be Disney films. Disney, a lot of Disney films are musicals, and they still have that music that um, is part of pop culture and it hits billboard top 10, you know, and you hear it everywhere. Bruno is on the top 10. It was on the radio when I got in the car and get gas. I was like, why is this song on the radio? Exactly. Right. (laughs) And when we were growing up, it's like beauty and the beast and it was Mm. a whole new world from Aladdin and it, you know, part of your world. Yes. (laughs) Um, our, my kids know, let it go. That's, you know, that's on everything into the unknown. So, uh, it was like that, except it was coming not from Disney film, it was coming from Broadway. So a lot of songs that are considered old American standards or old American jazz standards actually come from the Broadway community. Arguably, a lot of what was going up at the time um, was still a little bit like a storyline that... uh, had musical features or like the Ziegfeld Follies were a thing, like grand musical numbers, but not necessarily pieced together in the way we expect a musical to be now. Do you mean like, we get to this? sorry, I was just going to say, do you mean when you say pieced together, do you mean it was more of a uh, like vignette little, little like, a, like a review review? That's yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so what got, like of. the vaudeville era. And we're, we're used to going in like all these different acts, you know, like the America's Got Talent kind of thing. And just all these different acts and they're, they're showstoppers and like the gorgeous girls in great costumes and, and mm, all that. The comedic part. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, we've yeah. got operas. Like that's a very separate thing. Operas are still, you know, opera is, is the mother of musical theater. It's the space where we're using music as a narrative device. Often it's foreign language, right? And so it's, it's feeling a little inaccessible. And so then we get this era where we've got, um, composers and lyricists working together to to have you know the successful version of storytelling, um, and we get classics, some of which you'd named, you know, Carousel, South Pacific, Oklahoma comes out and it's groundbreaking. Um, its use of dance it has this whole ballet sequence, but the ballet is part of the storytelling device, right? Like it, these things are doing something for the plot. They're not just bops they're moments that are pivotal to the plot moving forward so um as i'm processing that out loud i would say we're moving from an era where we don't just use music as character development we are using it as the plot device and that's really really important because that changes things so then we start moving into like Oh, 50s and 60s classic shows. So I grew up watching like Hello Dolly um, and Fiddler on the Roof on VHS. There were two VHS tapes. <laughs> sound, of, sound of Music. That's that's yep. I had the, that one also was yes, two. That yes. was my mom's favorite. I'm, yep. I'm sorry, Kelly Ockenbach. It's not my favorite. <laughs> um, and my dad has very strong feelings about it. And there was like an anniversary edition that came out on his birthday one year. And he was so offended. Uh, <laughs> very strong feelings strong strong controversial feelings about sound of music and annie yep well i just don't like annie it's fine um yeah so then we've we've got you know this this level of storytelling we've we've got greats coming out um barbara streisand becomes barbara streisand right 
funny girl, um, which that's so interesting because there's a revival on Broadway right now that is just not surviving. Like I'm, I'll be very curious to see if it lasts the year um, because the show was rewritten for Barbara. It didn't, it didn't review very well and they rewrote it to feature all the things that she does really, really well and downplay all the things that she doesn't do very well. <laughs> it's a Barbara Streisand star vehicle. And sure enough, that's what it does. It propels her from stage to screen to icon status. Um, and we've got a, a lot uh, of people come out of that era. Morgan Freeman, his Broadway debut is in the all black cast of Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly starts to kind of drop at the Broadway box office and someone goes, huh, well, that'd be a good idea. Let's recast it and use all black people this time, which there's a lot, so a lot to unpack there, but they put in um, Pearl Bailey, uh, I believe is her name, famous singer. Morgan Freeman's a dancing waiter in Hello Dolly. Um, and that's, you know, and that's launching this great career. So we've got a lot of legends who've come out of that space. And then let's see, we move into um, 70s and you start to see some of those rock operas born. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar, right, would be a really great example of that. Um, this is our era of Godspell and hair. And I was going to say hair, um, hair. Anytime someone says 70s in musical, I always think hair. Yeah, he's on the days of Aquarius, right? Um, Jesus Christ Superstar, I've always known that show. That's my dad's favorite. Um, and it was just like blasphemous, I guess, when it came out, right? Like Jesus, Jesus and rock music shouldn't go together, but it's like brilliant. And I would love to play Mary in a show before I get too old. I'm already too old, but... <laughs> I can pass. You don't for look it. it. You can pass. You got, you got, you still got 20. You can pass for 20 in the face. You're good. Um, they can't see my silver hairs. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, then we get into, well, then, then Broadway is dying, right? Yeah. So, I was going to, I was going to wonder about that. Cause there's like a dip, right? Like we don't really hear or see a lot of anything. So it's new. my, super unexpert but nerdy understanding that um so so what people have to understand musical theater is an art form broadway musicals is an art form that is derived from a particular geographic community so it's very strange to be a broadway musical means you have played your show in a particular theater in New York City. There's hundreds of theaters. They don't all count as Broadway. They might be on, physically on a street called Broadway, and they are not Broadway theaters, right? So that's important to understand. So I'm trying to think what, what a good parallel might be. It might be that, um, like, if the Oscars were to say, uh, we only celebrate movies that um, were made by MGM Studios and that's it. And MGM, like having that branding with it is what classifies it as a great movie and everything else. Like, well, good job, but you can have your own thing. Which like sidebar, so we've got like Broadway and then you might hear about West End musicals, which is the Broadway of London. And so there's often great work that starts there and then a transfers or a different version comes to Broadway, New York, which I think is still kind of elevated as like, that's the ultimate who made it. Um, but West End is still also like a very 
big scene. So every once in a while, like, okay, what's playing over here? Like, what show should I learn? Yeah, I think people should understand that. That's a good point because I live in Chicago and there's so many shows that get put up in Chicago for previews and runs. And like they, I saw... Uh, I saw one of the first productions of uh, the show um, First Wives Club that was a musical and it was not good when I saw it and it was still done in a huge theater that was beautiful and I mean it still wasn't good it didn't go to Broadway in the end but I also saw Big Fish before it went to Broadway and that show was working on things while they were previewing it and I think that's something that people don't understand is that the shows that get to Broadway have had a life. They have not, it's not like they're just showing up. They have had life and so many audience have seen a it. A lot of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Depends on who's tied to it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the money. So why I mentioned that geographic area is because that geographic area in New York that used to be this like cultural hub fell into like decrepit activity. Um, so it's a it's you, a lot if, of if like, you really Google New York in the eighties, you'll see uh, what uh, X theaters, porn shops, yes. every like the a, that area a lot was of just entertainment. Like Times Square was not this place that was on your bucket list of things to see. This is an area you stayed out of high crime, a um, lot of drug use, and so uh, I understand that at some point, I mean, Broadway was still thing in that time, but at some point in, in that era, I think a mayor came in and said, look, we're cleaning this up. And there's this whole level of like, well, there's now positives and negatives to it. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> status, you're like, you have to be, you know, fairly upper middle class with a fluid income to even afford to experience a lot of those events. But, um, but they have cleaned up that area. It's a fairly family-friendly area now. It's a tourist attraction. They have a lot of theaters that are thriving. They clearly have a number of shows that are thriving. And so it's seen this boost since it kind of dipped for a while. So, you know, in the 80s, we got like Dreamgirls, Miss Saigon, Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera. Some of those, those big names came out then. But I also think part of why some of those shows are have sustained for so long and have been running for so long is because they didn't really have a lot to be up against that was of great caliber. Of great caliber I don't know. Maybe, no. maybe uh, I'm un, uneducated in that. But. <laughs> I think that's a, that's, that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a good educated guess, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then we get to the nineties and Jonathan Larson writes rent. And then it's this whole new, like, Oh, we don't have like musicals aren't prim and proper. They aren't like the trained voice experience. I feel like that really was the catalyst for, you know, now musicals aren't all, you know, corny, cheesy, whatever people expect of them. There is something for every musical genre. They just closed a uh, jagged little pill, which is all Alanis Morissette, right? Which is very different from going you know, a couple of blocks over to see Wicked, which is very classic musical theater, which is very different from going to see um, MJ, the Michael Jackson musical down the road, you know, so there's there's something for most tastes now. So if you if you don't think you like musicals, you have. Not Do you feel that stories or content is also something that drives Broadway or types of things that go on because I, I think, think in the past few years my mantra has just become yes and like the answer to everything is yes and also 
this other thing, right? Like we, we live in such a, sorry, this is deep. We live in such a society of like this or that, and that's not how anything actually works in practice. It's all yes. And, um, so in terms of your question, uh, which I think we could maybe drum down to like, what is the variable that helps determine a show's success or longevity, um, commercially because it's a commercial yeah, yeah, game yeah, yeah. right yep. that way producing a show is is hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions and so maybe to put in perspective um, as a high school teacher i have had shows that i have spent two thousand dollars on and i have had shows that i've spent thirty five thousand dollars on and those are for a high school in a, a little <laughs> iowa yeah. suburb Right. Yeah. Because things are flipping expensive. It is expensive to create sets. It's expensive to create costumes. And what we expect from a professional experience is like exponentially higher. Not to mention you are paying people salaries in high school theater. You are paying volunteer time and some pennies to the very small statement. So that's important to know. It's a commercial business. It's a it's an art form, but it is a business. Um, which I think sidebar is sort of why I like it a little bit. I like the business of art. I, that's fascinating to me, like living in both sides of that brain. Um, same, but I love um, being, I love being creative and logical. Like I think they're, they're one in the same for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Broadway is a beautiful <laughs> marriage of that in most cases. Um, so, so I think there's a couple big things. I think one part of why when I, talked about earlier how it used to be that musicals wrote what became the standard and everyone emulated put on the radio you know that's what you're turning on you're listening to at at home on your little you know manual radio like getting the station to tune the opposite is true now because there's a risk assessment involved so because it costs millions of dollars to produce a show to get that show to opening night just opening night we're not talking about sustaining that show for any duration of time, just opening night. So much money involved to pay all the actors, the designers, um, to rent the, the facilities that they're performing and practicing in. I, he- I hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, the cost of lumber has risen so much, right? So think about that in relationship to a show. So you have to, to have like a formula to guess to kind of audit if this financial risk is going to pay off because ultimately we're in the business of paying people salaries and we can't do that if we don't turn a profit. And so a lot of times we come up with like these jukebox musicals. We've got Jersey Boys, um, the Tina Turner musical, MJ, the Michael Jackson musical. I mean, Jagged Little um, Pill is somewhat of a Jack jukebox Jagged musical. Of, <laughs> yeah. right? um, we had uh, American Idiot, which was Green Day. We had... Um, For those of you who oh don't know what a jukebox musical is, it is a musical that uses all... Re- would it be pre-done music? Like, what's that yeah, definition? Yeah, it's music you already know. Yeah. yeah. It, it's music that's already done by an artist or something that is put into a story. That's mm-hmm. the best way I am. Moving out. 
uh, Billy Joel. So, so then your, your audience is kind of already built in like, well, I know I'm going to get the fans of these things. There's a show that's um, making a Broadway transfer soon called and Julia. It's on the West end right now. And it's all Max Martin music. Now you might think you don't know who that is, but actually you do because he wrote all of the best pop hits of the nineties and early two thousands, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Katy Perry. So all of that music you like, GM2 in high school is about to be in a retelling of a Shakespeare story. Is it a Romeo oh and Juliet? God, is it cheesy? Yeah. Yeah. Aunt Romeo and Juliet. Cheesy? Yes. Am I curious? Yes. Is <laughs> like, Am I Lucky going to be in it? I hope so. <laughs> Britney Spears is Lucky going to be in it? I hope so. <laughs> I kind of think that it is. I could. That's a I could good Romeo and Juliet song. I'm just saying. <laughs> and Juliet, the complete playlist. Oh, yeah. Because the um, Larger Than Life is on there. Oh, yes. Larger Than Life. I want it that way. Baby, one more time. Show me the meaning of oh being lonely. Oh my gosh. Not a girl, not yet a woman. That's amazing. I've never Makes heard of me. this musical before. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's in Toronto. Oh, I can't feel my face when I'm with you. <laughs> as long as you love me, it's going to be me. Shape of my heart. Roar. Yeah, this is great. Um, I, I went to a program in New York in 2018 that it was founded by Betsy Wolf, who's a Broadway actress, and she's in the show. So it's been all over her Instagram story. That's so awesome. I was like, wait, what is this show? I have to learn. Awesome. Um, so anyway, there there's a financial assessment, right? So we've got a built-in crowd already. Case in point, we just talk about Anne Juliet, and we're like, wait, what is this show? I have to find out more because I love all those songs. Um, then we've got all these these shows that are based off of movies. You already know the story, a.k.a. every Disney show ever. Lion King is still running. Aladdin is still running. We had Frozen the musical. We've had Beauty and the Beast. We've had Little Mermaid. We had Tarzan, but not for very long. Hercules uh, too, right? Or not by Disney? Or is Hercules, it Hercules didn't make it to Broadway yet. Oh, okay. That was a, a show at the public, I think, in New York. But it's not technically a Broadway show. Because remember, it matters what yes, theater you yes, play at. Yes, right? yes, yes. Um, similarly hunchback of notre dame not a broadway show should have been we saw that like, together forever did we see well, that no we saw we saw the one saw written the by sticks yes yeah but there is a version um that is the disney music oh, and oh, it's glorious yes. and they add an entire latin chorus to it and it's very very dark that ave and maria you know, song well, oh man yes <laughs> and it's, it's um, I had the privilege of directing the Iowa premiere of it a couple of years ago. So I know this score intimately and it's gorgeous. And the fact that it didn't go farther is insane, but it's also like very elevated Latin choral, you know, you, you could understand why that might not appeal to everyone. Have yeah. the commercial success because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little different and it's not fun and it doesn't end happy and there's no princess like. <laughs> and um, it's about an ugly person like you know what i mean like quasimodo in, in that terms you know what i mean well misunderstood and Miss, i'm sorry yes then, i'm sorry right? yes it's like a very mentally unhealthy caregiver and and caregiver abuse and like just lots of layers right um so we've got all these shows that used to be movies so that's a an audience 
the Wedding Singer, right? Um, the Drew Barrymore Adam Sandler movie that became a Broadway musical. Um, there's one up right now called Mr. Saturday Night with Billy Crystal, which is a play off of a movie that he was in a, a while ago. But I don't mean that like that sounds so ageist. <laughs> I mean he'll but, he he knows he's old. We're fine, <laughs> and he's well, still kicking um, it. He got nominated, so like he right, knows what's up. Right. <laughs> so so we've got a number of of shows like that, right. That are Beetlejuice is up right now. Um, so we've got a built an audience. So that, that piece, that's one reason something becomes successful is you've got a built an audience right away and then it just spreads. And if it's good enough, if it has earned all those feelings that we want from an audience that we talked about earlier, then it stays and it's successful. If it, if it meets our expectations, then we've got these other stories that are um, maybe don't have that that previous awareness, but it um, that's not the word. They they maybe don't have the same broad audience familiarity with the key players and its creation of it. But there's something about the story that's universal enough to be impactful. And, and you know, what's so interesting is I'm trying to think of some examples right now and in my brain, I'm going, Oh, nope. But that was based off a movie. Nope. Not that one. It was based off of this thing. When right. It is a new story and it's successful. That's way more like put that into perspective from what you just said. Like that's crazy that this story can be universally just like a Disney movie connecting people and still be able to be successful that way. That's crazy. That shows a lot. Yeah. So an example um, would be in our current Broadway season, there is, I, I think I've probably heard more chatter about the Music Man revival than anything else because it's a show a lot of people know. Um, I I attended, I saw it in March um, and just like the chatter before the show with the people you're sitting by and the bathroom lines and whatever, people are there because they love that title. And also they're there because they love Wolverine um, playing that title. Hugh Jackman. Most people were there for Hugh. You could, he walks out and like, whoo, everything goes nuts. I was, was not there for Hugh, but that's a different story. Um, and uh, so we have that and it's, it's incredibly successful with big giant names tied to it. And then we've got a strange loop which just won the Tony for best musical. And this is an example of that original story. We have a story about, um, and, and I haven't seen it, so I can't speak on this one as knowledgeably. I've listened to the soundtrack. I've read a lot about it. Well, let me tell but, you what a strange loop is because it's part of the trivia question something. as well, but we'll get to the trivia question later. It, a strange loop is a musical uh, that follows a man by the name of Usher, who is a black queer mm-hmm. writer writing a musical about a black queer writer writing a musical mm-hmm. about a black queer writer. So but, it's that yeah. cycle is it's what the story's about. Yep. Which a strange loop is actually the cognitive definition of what that is which I thought was, you know, nerdy fun. <laughs> it's very smart. Yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't contain music in my opinion. That's necessarily like a bop, like, like a standalone single, but, but putting that all together, you're like, wow, this is really brilliant. And this is really moving and people are going to connect to this. Not all people, not every show. And people have to realize that not every show is written for every person. Right. Um, 
phone home. I think which people is, uh, have to understand that. That's something people need to understand that everything I, you I see don't is. Why they don't? It's it's because we're well, a self centric society. <laughs> like, yes, and we, you know, this is the era of book bannings. Like, let's get rid of that book because it's not about my life. Well, like, it's not meant to be. It wasn't yeah, for you. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> um, Just respect it and move on. <laughs> right. So, phone home would be an example of that for me. Like, this is. Um, a, fairly biograph, uh, autobiographical musical for the person involved in the show. Um, it is primarily a coming out story um, about a young woman who discovers she's a lesbian and also f- discovers her father has been molesting teen boys um, for most of her life. I left that show and I had like no feelings and it was very strange. And what I had to, what I came to terms with was I'm not the person the show is for. It was well done. There's a song in the show. I really want to sing um days and days it's a beautiful song from the mom's point of view but it it was a show about life experiences that I could not relate to and I wasn't I'm not I'm not the person that was written for I wasn't the person that needed to see myself on stage I know a lot of people who saw themselves in that story and felt so seen and that was important it's an incredibly well done show that Chelsea Holland didn't have feelings experiencing and that that's okay. I, I think, want to see that too. I know. You know. See, and I think that's what a true obsession is, honestly. Because yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I think, and I'm, I do think an obsession that becomes so like tunnel visioned, right? And you can't see any like, oh, I only need to focus on this aspect. This over here doesn't mean anything to me. Like it's not an obsession then. Then you're just trying to fulfill something within yourself. Like an obsession is, I want, and this, I always got into fights with people in in college actually. (laughs) I love movies and I think watching the shittiest movies is way more beneficial than watching There Will Be Blood 10 times because because I because I would rather just watch all of them to understand like just everything about it. Right. And if I don't connect with it, then I don't. But I learned something from it. So I I know I have like a financial limitation from being able to say all the things. So I have to make choices and I prioritize things in terms of what I listen to. That's fairly cost effective. Right. (laughs) So. Do I have multiple playlists on my phone that are by year that are like 2021 shows to learn, 2022 shows to learn? Yes, I do. (laughs) Do I like everything that's in there? Nope. But if it came out and they have a soundtrack, I feel like (laughs) I love it. I feel like it's my duty to like know that show better. Uh, I love that. Um, We were talking a little bit about financials and stuff. Um, You currently make money doing theater um, or or were a teacher. So I'm not going to ask you how you would uh, uh, do that. But I want to know if you could, and this is kind of a way, if you could in your dream world, be a part of the theater community in any aspect of it, and you would be making money off of it. How would you want to make money off of it? If it wasn't what you currently are doing now. <laughs> remember, remember I said like right at the start, honey's a realist. Yep. Right. So I have such a hard time. Like dream questions yeah. are so hard. Hypotheticals. So yeah. Yeah. Am I allowed to live there? I don't know. I think. Yes. Um, you're allowed to live there through this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. I have totally had pipe dreams in my head about performing. Like especially when you, you see something you do connect to and you're like, ah, like I feel that so hard. I could play that role. I could sing that part. Like, you know, and you're just like, oh, that would feel so good to 
the analysis of a character and to dig in and and to understand that perform that part would be really cathartic. Um, I also wonder just because most of my career has been in educational theater where sure I'm collaborating with designers and technicians. Most of them are under the age of 18 and only have the experience I've taught them with. Right. And so yeah, I've totally wondered like what it would be like to direct a show in Broadway and to be supported by like Vet- crazy veterans. Geniuses. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And like autonomous and independent and, and can work on those, those things. I think that would be really fun. Um, I, I think I'm a really good stage manager too. So I feel like my safe entry point, my, see, I even I made my it. dreams safe. <laughs> my really safe dream. We, I can, I could stage manage a show. Uh, for those who don't know that, that there's, there's a person whose job it is to just know everybody's blocking everybody's cues. And they're, they're the, the magic person in the back who's saying, okay, like you yeah. 172. <laughs> if they, so, did, if they didn't like exist, there is no show. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, it like happens on their call, high stress. I could totally do that. I'd rock that. Super organized. Um, <laughs> Love, loves office supplies. All of the, all of these are characteristics of a stage yes. manager. <laughs> um, and my like super pipe dream, like, yeah, doesn't everybody want to be in a Broadway show? Well, no, is that not no I think like, it is, but I think it's the, qu- I, the, the question or I want to, I want to try to ask is like, uh, we all know that an actor's life is, is hard. It's grueling yeah. to be like an actor to yeah. like go for that. And if it is someone's, obsession or passion. Like, I, I mean, I moved to the city to be an actor and I found that it just wasn't what I wanted. Like, it's not what I yeah. want to make money off of because I really do love acting, but wanting it to be a paycheck, just, it took the joy out of it. Right. And so it's that type of question where it's like, yeah. if, if we lived in a world with no money, I think our dreams would be the limit because we wouldn't have to worry about, we can just do what we feel and we would all do different things all the time. Like we wouldn't be so focused on like, I need to do this for the paycheck. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I knew I didn't like, I knew very early about myself. I was not going to pursue a performance career because I don't have, I know I do not have the, the resilience to be rejected. Like the audition process is grueling and people audition for years and never make it, especially when they decide that being on Broadway is the pinnacle, right? Like it can't, I, you know, if, if I could be a working actor, whether or not that was on Broadway, yeah, it'd be super cool. Um, that's not enough for some people. And, and you could be really persistent. I don't think I'm that persistent in that. I think I would get defeated quickly. Like, if I had like an unlimited paycheck and you'd be like, y'all, I'm just going to bankroll this one. (laughs) And like, I'm just going to go ahead and play this part. Yeah. Let's just make that. Right. That needs to be what life is. I'll yes. <laughs> now, if you ask me what show, I'm going to no. say, I don't know. It hasn't been written yet. But that's a cool, like, I love that. What is the typecasting? You know, let's discuss being an ethnically ambiguous alto in the musical theater world. <laughs> um, I got a couple more questions before the last question here. Um, and we'll, do, we'll, we'll ask this one first. So you have that bookshelf there with all these like items in it. And stuff like that. What is kind of like, what are some prized items that you have that represents Broadway musicals to you? So I am holding the Jason Robert Brown collection, um, music book, piano book. He's my favorite composer. Uh, He wrote Parade. He wrote songs for New World. He wrote the last five years. 
He wrote 13, the musical where Ariana Grande got her start. Cause she's a Broadway actress first before she was pop star fight me. Um, and uh, I just think he's a brilliant creative genius. He came to Des Moines and did a concert at one of our smaller venues and a friend invited me and that was fantastic. Um, we had a baby at home, right? So finances, I hadn't bought my own ticket, but like, oh, I really wanted to go. And then afterward, he was signing autographs, which I knew was going to happen because I'd already tweeted him and he had replied, which like, whoa, was the coolest. But then I told you at the start of this, I'm shy. I'm very introverted. And so my I wasn't going to go stand in this line. And my friend's like, do you want an autograph? And I was like, well, oh, my gosh, I actually (laughs) brought my Jason Robert Brown music book for this moment. And I also tweeted him. uh, (laughs) Right? Like, Yes, I do. But but I almost didn't go in the line because I'm shy. So then we go up and like he's signing everyone's concert bills and I like whip out this book and he's like, wow, you're prepared. Well, who do I make it out to? You know, and I sputter Chelsea. And so he, he writes it. So uh, it says Chelsea, all the best. Jason Robert Brown right on the cover. And then my friend shout out Anna Lee. Uh, my friend goes, Chelsea, do you want a picture? <laughs> yes. So I, He's like, come, come back here. So I go to the back of the table and he like puts his arm around me and we take this photo and I'm shaking and I get home and I'm telling the story to my husband and I'm weeping. Like I'm, I'm crying that I've, that this has just happened. And I put a photo of my book and a photo, the photo of us on Twitter and I tag him in it and like, oh, this thing just happened. And he replied and he goes, oh, my God, that was you. I was waiting for you to come. And my Twitter handle said Mrs. Holland oh. because I used it with my students. He's like, I didn't know that you were Mrs. Holland. I was waiting for you. Like, oh, like, oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> tried again. So this this is one of my prize moments. But I I think my other prize moment, I don't know if I have like a – artifact my my bookshelf is filled with a ton of you know just nerdy things that i've read about the history of x y and z and well oh here's a nerdy thing i have so many vocal books and they're they're taller than a standard book and they don't always fit on a standard bookshelf so this bookshelf was custom built and measured to fit those books my my amazing husband did this so that's that's part of the nerdy obsession um, but i think my other obsession artifact is actually hanging at my cubicle at work as a reminder that it's okay to think that I'm awesome sometimes because I really struggle with that. And I had the chance in 2018 um, to go to New York City for the first time I'd never been and, you know, dreamt about it for years. And there's a program called Broadway Evolved that did a very small week-long class with a group of high school students and a very small group of teachers. And so I was one of 11 teachers internationally that came for this program to observe. And we got to work with like all these icons. Every two hours, the, the door opens and you don't know who's coming through. And it's like Darren Chris, which many of you know from Glee and American Horror Story. Um, Sarah Bareilles comes through. 
Um, if you don't know that name, you should just 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 stop listening. Yeah, <laughs> people know the best, but then if, if people who are like musical fans, Megan Hilty, Sherry Renee Scott, um, Nikki Renee Daniels, uh, Nikki James, Christy Altmer, uh, Jeremy Jordan comes through. Jeremy Jordan is why I applied for this program. I saw it in his Instagram first and was like, "Hey, husband, like this is cool." Well, why don't you just apply? I don't know. I'll never get in. <laughs> Look at me. So I do. I have a photo that I think I post on social media every year because it was my like greatest pinch me moment ever of me in between <laughs> Jeremy Jordan and Megan Hilty, who I talk to and I watch them teach. And uh, he said my name in one of the classes and the grown woman next to me goes, <gasps> Jeremy Jordan said your name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I've died a little. I can't go back to Iowa. He's just, you know, if you don't, some people know him from Supergirl. Like my students would be like, oh, I know that guy from, from Supergirl. That's so terrible. random. That's what you know. But, um, hey, get his, funny. get his face out there however he needs to and however, learn about him. That's enough. Listen to him sing. Yes. Listen to him sing a cover of She Used to Be Mine from Waitress. It's not meant for male to sing until he sang it in the news. I know exactly what I've I've seen that exact <laughs> YouTube clip. So. Yeah. Heck yeah, I used that as a clip in class um, when I was teaching speech and communications as one of our communication examples. And I would have girls, you know, they put their earbuds in. They're like, okay, we're watching this, this video for class. And these girls would just come like crying. Mrs. Holland, who is this person? It's so beautiful. What is this song? And I said, I've I've done God's work. Yes. My <laughs> um, so I think that's probably my other like prized possession. And that's that's at work. Like the photos that I have up at work are like these are the moments that remind me I am a competent person, and it's okay to embrace my competence. <laughs> um, all right, one last question, and then the last question. Um, so we've talked about a lot about what you love. What turns you off from a Broadway musical? We've talked about how some Broadway musicals are like if if they are good, they hit these certain calibers, or like you you feel with them. Is there anything like that you've ever experienced sitting in a Broadway musical, or like Broadway musicals do the same thing over and over again, and you're just like, I just wish that that would just not be part of this. Ooh, I don't know if I've thought about that before. I think like everything, there's certainly trends. So, like, I don't need to see a show with a turntable for a while, for example, right? Like, if you go see Hamilton or Town, we have these excellent examples of turntables, and now everybody needs a, a revolving stage. What else you got, right? Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily a turnoff, because I'll see anything. I think the thing that makes me not see a show is if I just don't connect to the style of music, um, the girl from North Country is out right now. If someone was like, hey, I got a ticket, come with me, I'd absolutely go because it's a musical, so I'm going to go and I learn about it. But it's all Bob Dylan music, and that's just not music I've ever connected with. It's not my thing. That's okay. It's it's going to be a lot of people's things. Um, so I think, you know, the same way music is probably the thing that got me into it in the first place. If the music is something that I struggle with, um, if there was like a Metallica musical, right? Like, I just, I don't know. I think there's a an era where musicals were too long and the second act didn't earn 
us coming back from intermission. This is my controversial, right? Fiddler on the Roof, worst act two ever written. Like, don't need it. Annie, part of why I don't like it, all the good moments, in my opinion, are in act one. And then you can leave and everything you needed to see from Annie was already fulfilled, right? There's, There's no reason to come back. I think Sound of Music... I don't know if they get into the like Nazi stuff more in act two, but like, honestly, like the, the thing that comes to mind with the strongest emotion is if the audience behavior is not appropriate, that's the thing that makes me leave. Um, we, I was so excited, you know, we talked about jukebox musicals, but I was so excited to see Ain't Too Proud on Broadway a couple years ago. It's, um, the story of the temptations. I love Motown. Um, so I, I don't know. I grew up in a weird diet of like Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney, Shirley Temple, and Motown cassette tapes. That's so much. <laughs> like, I don't know. Put it in a blender. And- <laughs> this is what you got. <laughs> what came out. Um, so I was really pumped. Like my kids could sing the music in the car. Like I was super pumped to see this show. And just the rudest, loudest, drunken, audience members were in front of us. And by the time we got to intermission, I was in tears. It was sold out. I was like, even if I could get a different seat, I am so disconnected from what happened in the first act that it's, I don't feel like I can emotionally come back for act two. Um, so it's coming to Des Moines next year. And Thomas was like, I know we have to get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I, swear it I didn't see it. Um, but yeah, I, it's probably like audience etiquette more than anything. And, uh, you know, that's probably the teacher in me too. Like as someone that adjudicates high school shows, we're trained, right? We're trained to find the good in things. And I remember, you know, one of our college professors, Jay Edelnott would talk about, he talked about some production of Frankenstein that he'd adjudicated. It was like the worst thing he'd ever seen. And here was this one good moment pulled out of it. Right. And and so I, I'm not sure that I've ever seen a show where I can pull anything from it. I'm always have this like mental list of like, oh, I could steal that thing or I could use that thing or that oh, moment was I clever. That. Or, well, I got one last question for you. So you died. I'm sorry to tell you, but you did. And when you died, they <laughs> asked me to come in and get all of your personal belongings because, you know, that's just what happens. While I'm getting your personal belongings, I find a secret compartment that no one in your house found, which is weird because everyone in your house would know that. But I found this secret compartment, and in the secret compartment, there was a box and a note. The note said, whatever is in this box represents my obsession. What's in the box? That's hilarious. You're coming about my house. Like, I think Thomas would be like, oh, that box is in her. (laughs) 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 If you watch Friends, I'm very Monica Gellerish. And you know, she's got the like secret closet, like the closet she opens and all the crap falls out. Yep. That's. That's next to my bed. That's it. (laughs) That's your one area. (laughs) Yes. That's my Monica Geller closet. So if I'm going with like concrete artifacts, the things I named earlier, probably in that box, along with like a Miss Saigon playbill and the playbills of things my students have been in and probably a couple like notable things that I've done. That would be a good little like scrapbook memento 
if you will, the experience. Um, oh, uh, it might also include, I have. <laughs> water um, bottle? <laughs> well, this is my Broadway evolved water bottle, okay. but there's some, some pins in here. Sorry for the thinking. And uh, one of those, this is a Hamilton little button with Lin-Manuel Miranda's autograph on it. I had told a student, they said, what should I see in New York? And I said, you should check out this thing called Hamilton that hasn't gone to Broadway yet. And I can't remember if she saw it on Broadway or off Broadway. It was really early when they were still stage dooring because they weren't getting mobbed. And so she she met him and said, well, I've got to get this for my teacher. And it was really cool. And she handed it to me and I cried because it was a student I didn't connect with very well when she was in my class. But then we like figured it out. And then she thought of me on this trip and it was cool. We digress. Um, so if, if it was filled with concrete items, it's that. If it was filled with something a little more abstract, I would probably have, because <laughs> we said it was a secret compartment, it would probably be like, here's a flash drive of me performing the soundtrack of my life. <laughs> and here's the like, like Broadway playlist oh, that represents yes. <laughs> Chelsea, you know? Chelsea Holland, the jukebox yeah. musical of just yes. all Broadway songs. Yes. <laughs> Love I'm like, that. here's my inner monologue for these various milestones in my life. And like, now I kind of want to do that, but. Um, I think you yeah. need to 100%. <laughs> well, you've talked about yeah. it. We can bring it up here too. You've made a playlist that you listen to that I would love to share with my listeners. Yeah. Um, so we'll, 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 I'll get that link from you later, but. Like, you should totally put a Chelsea Holland jukebox musical playlist and make it. I think that would be amazing to listen to. <laughs> well, thank you so much for this conversation. But we've talked about how much you love it. Now I want to test you. I know you're not ready. But guess what? It's time for Nerdy Knowledge. Nerdy, nerdy, nerdy knowledge. Please understand I'm a very high... High achieving, got to be on the honor roll or bust. The only person that's going to be beating herself up is her. So. I'm going to be so upset if I, do you know, okay, are you a Wordle fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know that there's a musical theater hurdle? I didn't know hurdle. There's one, there's a movie one called Framed. That just shows frames of movies that you have to guess the movie from. Well, there's Hurdle, which is music, and I'm not very good at it because a lot of it is genres I don't listen to. Because oh my gosh, Hurdle. Like yeah. herd, like ear. Yeah, yes, yes. H-E-A-R-D-L-E. <laughs> I went and to track and field. Like, I was like, where, where's the connection? That. Like Broadway no. musicals? <laughs> no. Hurdle. And it's musical theater. And, then, and so they give you like one second and then you guess and then you can add a second two seconds or whatever at a time so the number that I can get in one second is probably really sad and then the last couple of days it hasn't been working well and I'm like gosh dang it this is the answer and it won't accept my answer and then so I'll go all the way to the end and be like sorry you didn't get it today the answer was like that's what I said so I've been screenshotting it to prove it to myself and nobody else. But like, I actually did do it and my scores all screwed up. Love that of you so much. <laughs> I love that you are always in competition with yourself. It's my favorite part of you. <laughs> all right. You ready? You will okay. be. You'll love it. There's 20 points. 20 points on the uh, up for grabs here. 
First question. Um, this, this question is worth two points. The musical Les Mis has been translated into 21 different languages and has been played in 42 countries. However, the musical is not set during the French Revolution. What year does the musical start and how long does it follow the characters' lives? <laughs> oh, some, of oh, these, some, of these are, no. some of these are evil. You know why that's bad? Okay, so weird fun fact. I've never actually seen that show. Really? Did you see the movie? I, yes, Russell Crowe's terrible. Um, but I've been in it and I've directed it. So... <laughs> I should know this answer, and it's 10.30 at night, and I'm a tired mom of two. It's all right. No one's going to no hurt you. It started, the action starts in 1815, and it spans 20 years. Um, and it includes, so it's not the French Revolution, but it's the Paris Uprising of 1832 is what it is. Yes. So. Yes. No worries. <laughs> Next <Right>. question. <laughs> Next question. I, I hope my student dramaturgs don't hear this. <laughs> but, but I can tell you, we directed that production in 2016, and I was in it in 2003. Like, I can tell you all those things. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this question is worth one point. The uh, broad or the nickname "The Great White Way" comes from Broadway being the first to use lights on its sign. However, what was the reason white bulbs were used? So, in my lack of answer, I'm going to cleverly spin this into a social commentary moment. Um, so, snaps to our Tony's host this past weekend for her joke about the Great White Way no longer being a how-to manual for how Broadway works, and instead merging into a nickname in the past year. Um, and that's what I have for you. That's beautiful. Well, the reason it is, is because col colored bulbs burned out too quickly. <laughs> that, that was why. <laughs> You're going to get some of these. Don't worry. Don't, don't feel bad. I was just going to ask you, are they all like this? No. This is, is going to be embarrassing. All right. This okay. one is worth two points. The first Tony Awards were presented in 1947. What? Pocket-sized awards were men and women given as their Tony in the first two years. Wow, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's okay. The, the men were given cigarette lighters, and the women were given a makeup compact. Also, named after a woman, Antoinette Perry, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, I didn't look at that. Yeah. That's awesome. Just celebrated the 75th anniversary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the awards. Okay. All right. Cool. Do, you, do you see me like struggling in my but, confidence so i gotta drop what i can i do it drop like, it drop the knowledge i love it i love it <laughs> fill, fill in the gaps here i love it <laughs> all right this one's worth one there have been 36 portrayals of christine including alternates in the longest running show on broadway the phantom of the opera not including five limited engagements how many portrayals of the phantom have there been I'll give you this within five. So I think the number is lower because the phantom is often cast with someone that like people are really excited to see that person play the phantom. So I'm going to go with something like 12. You got it. It was within five. 15 actually is the answer. So okay. bravo. Yeah. 
one point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so interesting, though, but it's exactly what you said, right? They choose a phantom because of the person. Like, not mm-hmm. not maybe every time, but, like, yeah, it really is that. Yeah, so. like, someone will play that. And, and the female has to be young and beautiful, right? And the male can kind of be whoever and whatever age, right? Yeah. Which that's another commentary, but <laughs> Look at, this obsession is not with it, not without its faults. Okay. <laughs> no, it, but because, because it's an obsession, it's very easy to be like, okay, let's, let's discuss the lack of X, Y, Z. Let's discuss why I can't tell you what my dream part is. Yeah, no, great. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, all right. This one is also one point. Due to confusion of patrons, Broadway theaters have left out what letter row? Gosh, I'm going to say it's going to be like I. Correct. Or... Right on the money. Yeah. It's I because I think it's a one. Is it I or O, but I think I've sat in an O. Yep. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. This is worth three points. <laughs> I'm sorry for this question. <laughs> Uh, Strange Loop is a new musical following Usher, a black queer writer, writing a musical about a black queer writer, writing a musical about a black queer writer, etc. The title refers to the cognitive science item as well as the song by Liz Fair. Winning the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for Drama and being nominated for 11 Tony Awards winning Best Musical this year, this musical made its Broadway debut in 2022 at the oldest operating theater on Broadway. What is the name of the theater? When was it built? And what was the theater's premiere show? I'm pretty sure it's at the theater... That starts with an L, like Lyceum. Yes, it's Lyceum. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, if this was Not a video that. medium, you are you are thinking. I can see the wheels turning <laughs> constantly. Like, Come on, Chelsea. <laughs> Wait, okay. So it was where? When was it built? And what was the third part? What was the theater's premiere show? Oh, I don't yeah, know that. That one, I, I, I don't even, I, it's called A Proud Prince. No idea. Um, it was 1903 when it was built. So it's crazy that it's in the oldest, uh, oldest operating one. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. This one is also worth three points. As a shy young woman with no friends, this titular character spends days in Central Park being persuaded, getting into arguments, and being guided by an assorted group of animal characters that represent members of her family that were lost in a tragic accident. What is the name of this, the shortest running musical on Broadway, and how many previews and performances were there? I'm sure this is a bullet point in something I've read. To say it's the shortest running show in Broadway, I've got to assume it closed the day it opened. But I don't know. I don't know what the show is. I'm going to give you one point because it did have one performance. So that would be closed the day it opened. I'm going to give you one point. It also had three previews. So a total of four performances. Which that's weird. Yeah. Uh, The show was called Rainbow Jones. Um, Like I said, there's there's something in the back of my head that's like, yeah, I probably read that. But like, what do you do with that information aside from tuck it in the back of your recesses of your brain for a moment like this? (laughs) (laughs) All right. This one is worth one point as well. 
with 10 wins for its original production and seven for the revival. What musical has won more Tonys overall? I'm not good with award amounts. Like Color Purple came to mind. Like both the original production and the revival were outstanding. That is a great show. If you want to see some people sing their faces off. Ooh, okay. So I'm trying to think of what what's had a revival that was really successful here i'll give you i'll give you uh, i'll give you a clue because this isn't part of it the original production was in 1949 and the revival was in 2008 is that oklahoma no south pacific oh okay it won 10 awards for the original and seven for the revival see and i like nothing about the revival comes to mind i think it had didn't that have kelly o'hare that sounds right kelly o'hare yeah o'hare yeah Um, All right. This next one is just fun because I wanted to put it in there. Um, It is. The points are one plus. I found you'll. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out when I read the question. Okay, how many points do you have so far? You have four. (laughs) 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 It's all right. Points don't matter. Um, Due to superstitious beliefs, you should say break a leg instead of good luck to an actor before they perform. However, the, or- the origin and true meaning of this idiom is contested. What are some of the theories on why we wish actors to break a leg? I found six different theories. I will give you a point with, for whatever one you want to give. Um, okay, I feel... So there's... There's a part of a curtain that's called the leg on the side. And I feel like one of those theories is related to that piece of the curtain, but I don't. No, no, you're you're spot on. It's called breaking the leg line. And that's exactly it. So you are crossing the curtain and that because you're going on to the stage. So you're breaking that leg line. And for Ah, people who don't know, the legs, the leg curtains are what you have backstage to block the backstage action from the audience. So when you say like break a leg to an actor and they're breaking that leg line, they're actually going on and getting paid is kind of that thought process. So that's one of them. So now you have five points. I think there's, there's also a theory about like theater. People are just really superstitious, like ghost people um <laughs> right there's yep. a whole thing about ghost lights and stuff yep, yep yep so i feel like there's there's an element of like we can't wish you good tidings because then people are gonna like the ghosts are gonna come mess with you it's not ghosts so but it's it's it is the same it's good it's the good luck like go, apparently good luck is bad yeah, <laughs> but yeah like, this, like spirits are gonna like mess up your luck or yep. something six points there's one or two other ones in this list that I have that I that you might know, but the other the other ones I don't think you would guess. So, tell me, I want to know. All right, so, people want to know. <laughs> the one I found is it's a homophobic German Yiddish saying. So in German, there is a saying called "Hals und Beinbruch," which means neck and leg bone break. And in Yiddish, there's a saying called "Hatslach umbrach." which means success and blessings. Mind you, I don't know how to pronounce either one of those. I'm trying my best to know that a CH in German is pronounced with a ch. So, so it's like a combination of those together 
of neck and bone break and success and blessing. Wouldn't like neck and, what do you say, neck and legs? Yep, like leg break. Wouldn't that be like bowing? So the next one <laughs> is a final bow. It's the a literal act of bending one's leg to bow or breaking one leg. So I'm going to give that one to you because you guessed it before I said it. Seven points. Hey, that was, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> 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 for my like pub trivia night to use exactly. <laughs> Okay, let's go. All right, so final Um, The other one, uh, the breaking the leg line we did, the other one was David Garrick. So during a performance of Shakespeare Richard III, this famed 18th century British actor, David Garrick, became so entranced in the performance that he supposedly was unaware of a literal fracture in his leg on stage. Uh, Another one. Uh, various there's various folk theories that are proposed uh, in like Elizabethan times or ancient Greek times that audience members would stomp the their legs or bang chair legs expressively. So like breaking like that was their applause. So the last one is not this is not true, but it is a very popular belief. And it is John Wilkes Booth Um, after the assassination on Abraham Lincoln. When John Wilkes jumped and broke his leg on the stage, some people believe that is where the saying comes from. However, uh, the actors did not start wishing people this until the 1920s, which is 50 years past the assassination. So that is a defunct belief. That is not why we say break a leg. Yep. But it is a popular people think that because he's an actor and you know so that's not right you did great seven points bravo i'm not satisfied with that i need an extra credit question (laughs) (laughs) well it's all right the last part will be extra credit for you and it is called talk nerdy to me me. so i want to know your top three musical moments okay these are going to be hard without context it's fine Um, that's perfectly fine (laughs) the broadway revival of once on this island um alex newell singing mama will provide and being in the audience for that and ah, no stories okay (laughs) for that moment um, look it up on youtube (laughs) that was that was amazing but just watching people experience that Right, the, like live theater effect, but also like cheated. How did how did they not get a Tony nomination? At least I don't know. Um, Miss Saigon, because it's the first, and um, I saw Spring Awakening three times in the same week with three very different experiences in each. So I think that show lives really high in my core memories. Oh, that's awesome! All right. This is your desert island question. So I twisted it a little bit for you. <clears throat> this is gonna be this is gonna be a thinker. What show and cast would be your dream casting? You get to choose the show and you get to choose the cast. Michael, this kind of question I like I have to think about for a week and then I have to make a lot of lists and have like like move the post-it notes around because some of my favorite performers aren't necessarily meant for the the best parts you know oh man um you're gonna laugh at this one the thing that comes to mind first just because i i'm like dying to see a version of this would be the wild party. Mm, yes. Right? Andrew Lippa's wild party. I think it's such a, Oh crap. I have another show in mine too. 
We're going we're going to stick with You wild actually party. introduced me to the 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 wild party. Um it's such an underrated show that has like the greatest trio in musical theater ever in Make Me Happy. So there are four title characters and it's there's Queenie. So this is like vaudeville era um, and it's very much like jazzy music. I have a student who's in a production of it in Utah right now. So shout out to Emma. She's listening. So Queenie is uh, in a relationship with Burrs. They're vaudeville actors. Um, he cheats on her a lot. So she's going to throw this big party to make him jealous. And so she invites... Blackie, who shows up with Kate, that's his like friends with benefit, basically. And she's she's gonna hook up with Blackie to piss Burrs off, but it kind of backfires and he gets too jealous. And it's another show with a sad ending because I really like drama. Um and the music is just great. So the original cast was Julia Murney and Idina Menzel and Tay Diggs, who's like Butter and Brian Darcy James. Um, because uh, we stand Jeremy Jordan in all things. I think based on his performance in Bonnie and Clyde, I think he could be a really interesting, very dark Burrs. That's that's a very troubled character. I think that <laughs> the character of Blackie would be oh gosh michael this is really hard i really <laughs> want to get this right i want to i want to listen to this later like, there's no oh, wrong oh, answer here and so i want to listen to it later and be like yeah that was really good gosh there's an actor um whose name is escaping me right now he was in once on this island in the revival he's currently in mj playing joseph jackson uh Quentin something maybe but I I think he would be really interesting as Blackie um for the female characters I think Taylor Louderman uh would be she, she so like if you know the Mean Girls the musical soundtrack she plays Regina George um and she can belt like crazy I think she would be a actually I would probably put her as Queenie because Queenie was a blonde. It's gotta be blonde chick. I would buy it from Taylor. And then Natalie Weiss, um, who she, she she's a like cabaret singer. Um, she was on American Idol. Uh, she has a YouTube series called Breaking Down the Riff. Um, she's a vocal coach. She's she's actually in the ensemble of a couple movie musical soundtracks. She's someone that's like, why are you not more famous? She would make a great Kate because Kate has all of these like crazy riffs and belty moments. Um, and that would be really interesting. I'm not satisfied with my my blackie answer, but I, I looked I looked up his name is yeah, Quentin Earl Darren. That, that would be interesting. But I think I'm having a hard time picturing someone other than Tay Diggs singing that part because he's so good. You so can keep Tay we in might there. keep him in there for a hot <laughs> yeah. second, but this also might be the thing that I don't know, as you edit this or package it or whatever, like two days from now, you can be like, Chelsea texted me and her real answer is. <laughs> That's fine. I will gladly. So we do follow up episodes the following week. So if you want to change your mind, oh gosh, you let so me know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
No. All right. Uh, the next one is, is you did touch on this a couple times and mentioned some moments, but this is a story. I do want you to say it if you do, but what this trip that you took to. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Oh. Um, I think Blackie would be better played by Joshua Henry. He was a replacement in Hamilton. A replacement means it's someone who took a principal part, but they came in after the original cast left. Um, he was also, uh, if you've seen Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix, the Jonathan Larson life story he's one of the singers uh with Andrew Garfield and that he's got Joshua Henry and Vanessa Hutchins that are like doing this little concert with him in that movie if you haven't seen it great movie worth your time watch it tonight okay I've changed my answer I'm so sorry to interrupt you but like that was you need it yeah I know you you could not move on until it was (laughs) I saw that on your face (laughs) I feel better about that that feels good all right so so we did talk about this a little bit uh, your trip your Broadway trip that you took I want you to uh, kind of give an overview of what that trip entailed. And then one moment, I know that's hard, but one moment that like really touched you from that trip. This is your top event. Question. Okay. So that's I, I, I had touched on this earlier. There's a program called Broadway Evolved and 2018 was its very first year of existence. It was founded by um, Cynthia Rose, who works at NYU and Betsy Wolf, who's a Broadway actor, who's Um, I think her mom was a teacher, so she just really has a heart for education. And they felt like there were a lot of programs for kids that were about churning out great performers and churning out the perfect audition and churning out the perfect college prep experience. And their evolution in Broadway, the business of Broadway training was that people who are successful, like we hire them because of who they are authentically and what about them is unique. Like we don't want... 25 people to walk into our room and all sound the same and look the same and perform the same way. So how do we promote the thing about you that is unique? How do we help you celebrate what is you and find that and carry that into your storytelling, which is really lovely. In that experience, uh, we went to Ripley Gersh Studios in New York City, which is a bank of rehearsal studios where a lot of Broadway shows audition and rehearse. But we had the opportunity to watch a lot of master classes that week. Sherry Renee Scott, Megan Hilty, and Jeremy Jordan, Ben Crawford, uh, Jay Armstrong Johnson. Um, gosh, all kinds of master classes and individual voice lessons. So the, the kids that are there, like, and one of my students was there as well, um, just had this really amazing experience and we got to watch and partake and learn from that. Um, there was a dance clinic. Um, we got to work with the head of acting from NYU, um, just with the educators. So like, this was really a dream come true experience. Like, you know, and I had hyped that up so much. I had hyped Broadway in New York up in my head. For decades, right? And it it really had a lot of opportunity to disappoint me because of how much I had dreamt about it. And instead, it just exceeded my expectations. I was so lucky to have a friend um, from college that was in a show there at the time and had some really neat experiences uh, because of him and through him. Shout out Joel. Um, you know, I got to see my first Broadway show. Uh I told my husband, like, you know, you can, I know you can't stay this whole week that I'm out there, but you've got to be there. Like, I can't go to Broadway for the first time and you're not there to witness it. And so he came out for the first, like, 40 hours of that trip, like, so short. Um, just because I was like, I have to see my first Broadway show with you, right? And you have to see me see Broadway for the first time. And he's got this little... You know, you talk about like a moment that's a keepsake. There were like every single day was the best day ever. 
But on that very first day, just the overstimulation of like, I'm here and it's the marquees and it's the lights and it's Sugar Alley. Like there's this, this famous alley where they, they do a lot of events and concerts and fundraisers, but they also have a show poster on the wall of every single show that's playing on Broadway right now. And it's like in the heart of the theater district. And Thomas has this video from that. And I'm stupid, happy crying. Like I'm just like the tears are flooding. And I don't know, he asked me a question. I say something cheesy about like, it's taken me 21 years to get here, you know. But honestly, like, I think I hold that moment so much of just like being there for the first time and my world suddenly getting so much smaller and so much more accessible. And I've been twice since then. And every time I just feel like there's something magic in that space. And I think, I don't know, maybe I just, I just know so much about it. My livelihood has been built on it. Um, the success of something on Broadway dictates the success of my craft to some extent. Um, you know, so there's, there's a mutual relationship there and it's just a magic freeing place. And I'm not a person that feels free very easily. Um, so I think just that experience of like, this feels like a home was really neat. Even before I had actually set foot in any of the theaters and had seen anything, it was just like, Oh, this is, this is college theater on steroids. This is just a club. This is, these are all my people and the people that are crowding these streets all like the thing that I like, you know, and was, these people brushing past me to go into that door for their call. I, I know that grind. It's the same grind regardless of where you're doing it and what stage you're on. It's the same thing. So I'm, I'm connected to you. I love that. That was beautiful. Um, these these aren't uh, these aren't like favorites that you have to answer anymore. These are more factual questions. Just to let you know, these next ones. Um, someone who maybe has never gotten into musicals before. Where should someone mm, start? I think that a good place to start um, maybe is thinking about what kind of genres of music they like, and start at Google, start at YouTube. Because you can watch a lot of clips or like Tony Award performances on that Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade performances to decide what you like. If you love pop music, you're probably going to like six. Um, you know, if you love uh, rock music, check out Jagged Little Pill. Uh, you know, and just trying to find something that fits a little more in your alley. There's a lot of really good movie musicals that have come out lately like I think I've I mean I've read some things about maybe this is the resurgence of the golden movie musical in the heights was really well done um tick tick boom was outstanding um for someone to have like a a lead actor nomination out of a movie musical that is really obscure in the same year that like West Side Story is nominated for best picture and acting nominations you know, um, so I think it's okay to start there, there too, like be open-minded and give it a shot and just know that one show is not just the way no per, no group of people have a monolithic experience. Musicals are not a monolith either. All right. What is a random fact that you know about Broadway musicals? Like you haven't shared a thousand. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Cats is one of the top five longest running musicals of all time. And I'm convinced it's because people are still trying to figure out what it's about. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think that's true because I've seen I Cats and I understand. don't understand it. So I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Oh, anyways, um, where, what is, you, you kind of brought this up too with YouTube and stuff, but what, where's the best place to find musicals now, not just YouTube. Let's, let's break it down to even in like people's different cities. Like most cities have places that they'd be able to see musicals, traveling shows. Where's a good place to find musicals and how to um, start my obsession. I, I think looking up to see if you have community theaters. And supporting local theaters, a great place to start because my guess is you probably know someone who knows someone in a show. And it's exciting to be able to go and support somebody you know doing something where they're behaving unlike themselves. So that can be a really fun way to make a social experience out of attending live theater. And I, I would assume most places have some sort of community theater outlet within a reasonable driving distance. If digital is your way to go, I think Spotify is great. Like hit up a, a musicals playlist. There's 8,000. You can check mine out. And Spotify's got the sick new feature where you can enhance a playlist. And so it like creates the algorithm of things it thinks you would like based on what you've already put in there. And that's even for me, that's been a fun way to find out about shows that didn't make it to Broadway, but it's in that genre. And that's what my playlist is getting enhanced with. Like, oh, here's this thing. I've never heard of it, but wow, great song. And I, I don't know, some of my former students, like I'll, I'll text them, like, I just heard this song. I just discovered it needs to be in your audition book. Enjoy. Have a great summer. If I like blank, then I will like Broadway musicals. Mm -hmm. If you like being in your feelings, you'll like Broadway musicals. <laughs> uh, and then last one is I want you to talk to all of the Broadway musical nerds out there. And it is the if you know, you know section. Um, I just had to feel bad for anybody that was nominated in the, the featured actress in a musical category this year because I just... You see Patti Lapone's name on that list and you have to think in your head like, oh, well, crap. Nice to be nominated. I'm going to practice that speech because that's all I'm going to get to do. Yes. Right. Yes. But it's just a pleasure to be nominated with Patty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also... Broadway fans will understand how great are the viral videos of anytime she chews somebody out in the audience. Like those are fantastic. And the fact that she referenced one in her acceptance speech, like that is a level of diva. I don't even aspire to get to. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, this was so much fun. Thank you. I love this. This was, I think the officially the longest conversation I had, but there was so much knowledge. I loved it. I loved it. No, it's not bad. It's also <laughs> I not surprising it. in the slightest. Not at all. I expected it. I know <laughs> I expected it. Uh, well, do you have um, any plugs, any events, gigs you want to put your socials out there? Anything you want to, uh, well, I'm, I'm, for me personally, no. But as a proud mom, my 10-year-old is in her first musical ever, not just in the show, not just in the ensemble. She's the flipping title character of Matilda the Musical at the Des Moines Playhouse. It runs through most of July. The show is double cast. So either Matilda you get will be fantastic. We love 
um, the other gal playing the part as well. She's super talented, but so gosh darn proud of one Miss Lillian Holland um, as she gets ready to play Matilda in her her big community theater stage debut. And the passion lives on. The obsession continues. We are we are taking her to New York for her first time and her first Broadway show in about six Do weeks. It, did you did you tell me? I can't remember when we talked. What is what is going to be her first show? Or has she have you decided wicked. that? Wicked. Oh, that's right. That's right. You told me. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be such a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good classic. And then we're kind of waiting out ticket prices to figure out the other ones. Uh, well, thank you again so much. Um, and thank you to all our listeners. Um, if you have anything else you would like to add about Broadway musicals, we want to hear your knowledge that you have to share as well. Listeners, so you can email us at yournerdyo at gmail.com or you follow us and DM us on our socials at yournerdyo, Insta, Twitter, TikTok, all that jazz. Um, but until next time, thank you so hey, much. Thank you. And good job with that. All that jazz reference. When did I say that? You just said it. <laughs> did I really? All that jazz. <laughs> Chicago reference. Ah, <laughs> that was beautiful. All right. Bye. Oh, <laughs>